0: Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but.
1: Hey, and welcome to episode 98 of Anime World Order. Let's see, we're desperately trying to get another episode out before Otakon 2011, which is coming up very, very soon. Hopefully, we'll be out before this podcast is out. I am Gerald Rathkolb, and with me, as always...
0: Daryl Surratt, working on Otakon panels, as well as uh, Anime Festival Orlando panels, which is the week immediately after Otakon. It's a smaller con here in Florida, but... In, um,
1: We've talked about it before a couple of times. Many
0: a time. So, you know, back there again and, uh you know, doing more things.
2: Uh And I'm Clarissa. I've got stuff for class I'm going to work on. Final paper, yay!
1: Yay, that's why we need to get through this quickly so she can get back to uh that slave labor. As usual, uh, check out the website. We like to hear your comments and such at www.animeworldorder.com. Uh, a lot of people do say, you know, go to awopodcast.com. That will work, but animeworldorder.com will always work. Email us at animeworldorder at gmail dot com. And to put a gigantic dent in the 2,000 emails or so that we have, uh, I thought we'd read one or two, maybe. But uh, before I do that, I should actually mention um, what we're going to be doing this episode. I am going to be tackling a review that I've been promising for way too long. The show that was just recently released by... Uh, Right Stuff International, and that is the Dirty Pair TV series. You may remember that I did a review for Dirty Pair Project Eden way back in episode 49.
0: Yeah, since gone out of print, but now it's going to get re-released uh, by Nozomi or Right Stuff, as it were, in a better edition.
1: So, Very much um, better edition, look yeah. out for
0: that when that comes out uh, later. Yeah,
1: it's one of my favorite movies. So it's not necessary to listen to that review and then listen to this one, because I will refer to both, but it's kind of recommended. As for some emails, this is an email for all of us, and this is from uh, Lily, and she writes to Daryl, Clarissa, and Gerald. Recently, I have been re-listening to some old episodes of Anime World Order, and I have some questions about them. First of all, Daryl. Did you like the end of Resentiment or were you disappointed with it like you were with Welcome to the
0: NHK? Unfortunately, when she asked this question, it had been several, several, several months since I'd read the rest of it uh, of Resentiment. And so I can no longer remember the full details of what happened without <laughs> going back and rereading it. Now, w- what I, what I do remember is that it ended in kind of a grim way that is framed within the context of the story is a not-so-grim way, except if you think about it, it's still not very good. <laughs> so in that sense, I would say it is a better ending than uh, the Welcome to the NHK anime ending, as it were, which is pretty much the, similar to the manga one.
1: How would you compare it to, say, the end of Genshiken?
0: Genshiken is still <laughs> ongoing.
1: Yeah, I guess it is, and, isn't it? And
0: so Genshiken is really metamorphosized over the years into something very very different which is actually a recurring plot point in the manga as it's uh, currently coming out in Japan is how different everything is
1: yeah i actually haven't kept up on like the new like Genshikan that's been coming out i only read the main manga that was released in america right those that,
0: nine volumes that... that
1: kind of ended with most everyone graduating and maybe maybe not there might be a relationship developing
0: yeah, part so. two continues right alongside those lines. There's a lot more new members. Um, Some of them are feeling uh, alienated because they don't really have any connection to these new people. It's that typical Genshin stuff that kind of lost my interest in it after a ways. But I would say that Ressantamon, because it's shorter than Welcome to the NHK and certainly shorter than Genshin, got in, hit its points, and got out pretty much um in time before it kind of spiraled into psychopathy, even though it was already pretty, you know, psychopathic, as it yeah. were. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Genshikin kind of became kind of a beast, especially when they came out with a TV series of the show within the manga. So, yeah, Lily goes on to write. Clarissa, at the time you had reviewed Yotsuba, only three volumes had come out. Did you like this series, and what did you think of the Yen Press release of it compared to ADVs?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's still an awesome series. I haven't, I'm a little bit behind on it now. I'm not totally up on it, but from what I've seen, it certainly hasn't, you know, gotten any worse than it was before. It's still really funny. The Yen Press versus ADB, each version has kind of its pros and cons. Uh, which one you like better may depend on what kind of translation style you want. um the yen press version trends a little bit more towards the hardcore otaku focus type translation, where like mm. they leave in the katakana sound effects and they uh leave in the honorifics, and they use more stuff where they have translation notes to explain things, whereas the earlier ADV release would tend, like, if there was a pun, they'd just kind of replace it with an English equivalent. Some people like the ADV approach better. I know that Yotsuba is a pretty accessible and popular series for younger readers, and so the ADV style may be more accessible for a lot of those people. So I know some people have kind of complained about the Yen Press one, but some people like it better. You know, I know one thing people talked about a lot was that, um, there's a, a character dresses up in cardboard boxes like a robot, and the name of it is like Danbo, because it's a reference to Danboru, which is the Japanese word for that type of cardboard. But I know in the ADV release, they had changed it to be Cardbo, so like shortened cardboard. And in hmm. the end, Press version, they left it as Donbo with, like, a note to say, oh, this is a reference to the Japanese word for cardboard. Hmm. I think ADV's covers were a little better uh, in some respects. They certainly, I think, did a better job with, like, the title treatment. But, I mean, really, they each have their pros and cons, and I don't think there's anything about the N Press release that's bad enough that you would say... Oh, that it shouldn't have been picked up. I mean, really, it's still just good that it's coming out in English. So.
0: Yeah, even if you did not like the Yen Press take over the ADV one, they're kind of the only game in town for those later volumes, as at this point. Yeah. Personally, I kind of think for a title like Yotsubato, they should try and give it kind of the Cheese Sweet Home adaptation and, you know, shoot it for everybody. But obviously. There's some elements of that where you can just sort of say, oh, the only people who are going to buy this are a certain crowd of people. So I can see why they're doing it. I just i am not sure if I would have done it that way.
1: Yeah, those earlier volumes, I mean, did Yen Press pick those up as well? They did go
2: back and
0: re-release them, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, so you can actually buy the initial volumes in both versions, and that's actually... Where people are pulling some of the comparisons from, is that they have the same ones published by both.
1: That makes sense, then. Lily goes on to say, Gerald, in an episode, I forgot the number, there was an email about long-running shows, and you mentioned you really liked Case Closed. I would like to hear more thoughts about it, and also, do you like any other Gundam besides the original movies? I know you really don't like G-Gundam and Gundam Seed. Thank you for reading this email and love your podcast, Lily. Yeah, I really like Case Closed. I used to record it whenever it was on uh, Cartoon Network. I don't know if it's still running anymore. I doubt it. But I I just really like that show just because I'm, in general, a fan of mysteries series like that. Like the logical sort of Sherlock Holmes style mystery series.
0: Did you watch through Gossip or did you just decide that, wow, this isn't a mystery series at all. Everybody else is just retarded.
1: No, I didn't. And people keep telling me I need to watch the show. So, I don't know. I I know very little about it. Um the little that I've heard is people are recommending it to me.
0: The show ain't bad. Mhm. But it's also they keep touting like the the main protagonist is like this deductive genius and really it's just everybody is, is stupid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, th-
1: that is to a degree what happens in Case Closed. I mean, um <laughs> The the father is an idiot and basically, but just, it's a
0: plot yeah. point that he's an idiot. Yes, that he's a drunkard and like a loser. That this
1: is this is true. It's not just like he's. They call him a genius, and in reality, he's not right. No, in
0: Gossic it's like this person's a genius, and they play it up like, "Wow, no one could have figured that out." And it's like, <laughs> actually, a <laughs> idiot with an IQ of ten could have probably determined that the person holding the smoking gun was the person who fired the bullet. <laughs>
1: That is a very good point, yeah. So that does change things a lot. Yeah, I haven't watched Gossip. Case Closed is such a beast, though. Like, I think even when it got licensed, we were all thinking, like, what are they going to do with this? Because Detective Conan is longer than Dragon Ball Z. I don't know exactly how many episodes it is now. I don't know. I think it's still running, which if it is, would make it longer than, you know, Dragon Ball Z, Bleach, and Naruto. And it was just such a rough series because it's a series for kids in Japan who have to solve these horrendously grisly murders, like <laughs> CSI-esque, gory, gruesome murders. Go, oh, this guy, you know, got decapitated and, you know, here's his head and the blood splattered all over. Let's let these kids in here and let them take a look. Yeah, I don't know if that would actually get onto, you know, primetime Cartoon Network anytime soon.
0: Did you uh, watch Lupin versus Detective Conan?
1: I have a copy of it, and the stupid thing, the subtitles never seem to want to work on it. I've started it, like, a couple of times on different machines, and the subtitles just were weird. I don't know. Maybe I need to just find another copy of it. But uh, that was more of a Conan movie, wasn't it, than a Lupin movie? Right. Yeah, because c- uh, Lupin is not not really a detective of any sort.
0: I-, I have seen it. I have a copy. My copy worked fine. I don't really know why people are having trouble playing it back. Maybe it's the player that you're using but maybe um i thought it worked fairly well as both you know annual lupon special and also you know the yearly detective conan movie sort of format it's certainly a little different than most of the lupon specials which lately have kind of taken another dive in quality i would say the last to... one
1: of those Lupin specials I watched was that really awful one where it was like all the different Lupins from different Lupin series. Conceptually,
0: were... that was a really good idea. The green versus yes. red. It just wasn't executed well. No, and it was that was really um, you know a problem yeah. with a lot of those. But yeah, they had a really good run. Like I'd said in previous episodes of the podcast, they had some really good Lupin TV specials in years past. And then after a point, they just started to take a a downward turn. I think they might have stopped making them.
1: Well, I mean, they do have the new TV series coming out. That's right. So, so
0: I think that might be, you know, where they do it in lieu of uh, another yearly special. That could be it.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward to the TV series. I mean, more Lupin I'm, I'm happy with. But I guess back to the rest of her question, I guess the, the Speakeasy podcast, those guys are the big, like, Detective anime guys, and they're super into more, more so into Detective Conan than I am. As for Gundam, I mean, the original Gundam movies are the ones that I like the most. I like them more as they go on. Like, I think the third is an anime classic. I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I guess Gundam's just something that's just never really clicked with me. Even though being a mecha fan, that would seem like a natural thing. I guess I kind of liked. Uh, no, never mind. No, 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 I didn't like that one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking, like, uh, did I like War in the Pocket? Uh, I didn't really like War in the Pocket. I mean, it had some really nice character designs, some nice animation, but the story didn't really work for me. I haven't
0: seen... 0079 um, is the original series.
1: No, no, oh, okay, I mean the... Uh, um, Stardust Memory? I'm thinking, like, the...
0: The, the, the 8th MS the, team?
1: 8th MS team, that's it. I haven't, I have, well, I haven't seen Stardust Memory either. I know that that was... You like, actually
0: own Stardust Memory.
1: Yes, I do. You own it for I, years. I got them I've I had it for years, and it got it, like, really, really cheap. Um It well, looks beautiful,
0: some... and it's terrible.
1: Stardust Memory? Yes. I know that it came out during that time when... Th- didn't it come out, like, as a co- sort of competing show to record of the Lotus War?
0: Yeah, at the time uh, like... in Japan, it was the big OAV project. The very first Gundam model kit I ever bought was a Master Grade GP-02 Fissilus, which is uh the bad guy robot from hmm. 0083. I mean... I'll, give it this the design work in terms of mecha are fantastic animation Mm -hmm. quality is great the characters and story are one of the worst like ever it's like maddeningly so (laughs) i think 0083 was like the official cutoff point where everyone's tolerance was just broke and said you know what the federation sucks <laughs> and you I know think we should we should review that one it it That's is uh a- that is a Ken nabby series, Joey Snackpants would get on us if we reviewed that without him because that is like his darling uh one of those series, but yeah, oh dear um. 8th MS team, I'm surprised you never saw because it got a lot of playtime on the Cartoon Network yeah. during the Tsunami I did, days. I do
1: remember it being on there and I might have caught like some bits and pieces of it, but with that stuff, if I don't catch it from the beginning, I'm not going to bother. So. Yeah.
0: 8th MS was one of those things where it took a very long time to come out, very much like how Giant Robo took a very long time to come out. Mm-hmm. The original director died about like a, you know, a couple episodes in, maybe three episodes in. And so his idea for what the series was going to be ended up being drastically different from what the series uh, ended up becoming. But I, I thought it was good. I uh, thought that it had a, a pretty strong ending point. And then there was an entire other episode after that that was completely pointless. And then there mm. was a compilation movie that was completely pointless. Miller's Report, right? Right. I also own a, you know, a decent amount of 8th MS master grades. But yeah, I think the people who like 8th MS tend to be more along your side of things like the, the Votoms.
1: You know, yeah, that's what I've been told, is that 8th MS is the more gritty sort of it, war story. It
0: was story. conceived as that at first, and then the original yeah. director died, and then it went a little different. But, I mean, it's still pretty grounded.
1: Now, is, is it as different as, like, Double Zeta
0: is? No, Double Zeta is very constantly, even throughout. It's not like there's a point where you can say, oh, Double Zeta Gundam, and this is the point where things get serious, because it's mixed up in there. Uh, mm-hmm. There's the goofy comedy, and then there's the, oh, yeah, we have to build to this movie At the same time, you can't really recommend people double Zeta by say like, oh, skip these episodes and start here, because even up through, like, the very end, they're still doing, like, the weird, wacky hijinks, and I think that's part of why that remains, like, the one major Gundam series that's never come out here in America. I think I would lay odds that Turn A would come out before double Zeta, but Mm -hmm. who knows?
2: Probably so.
0: I thought Turn A got licensed actually, but maybe uh, they're all owned by Bandai. Yeah,
2: you know, I thought I remembered hearing something about that, but I yeah, I,
0: I thought I did too. But like I that didn't. It was going to get but I release. haven't heard
2: anything else about it since then, and I haven't seen any pre-orders or anything, so I'm not sure.
1: I know you've seen it, Daryl. So I was, but I thought Turn A was kind of like that series that didn't n- necessarily even need to be called a Gundam series.
0: It's very it's much so, so, so. It is very, very so far, far removed. removed. I don't even think, if memory serves, there are no mecha in it in the entire first episode. It might even be a few episodes before you see mm. a robot, period. Mm. Okay, so- yeah, I
2: guess Turn A is coming out later this year.
0: Okay, well, uh, I
1: thought so. I remember hearing something about that. yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Eventually, as time goes on, there does start to be more tie-ins to Gundam, as it were, but yeah, it is so separate in not just timeline, but also tone and design and mood Mm -hmm. that, yeah, in some ways it feels like it was greenlit on the grounds that you have to say it's Gundam. And the show is good, it's just very um, not really what you would think of when you would think of this is what a mecha show is like.
1: I remember people losing their shit over that when that came out in, like, two thousand ninety nine, 2001 or so. The Sid Mead, no, re- Sid Mead... The Sid Mead designs were it, because yeah. people just love Sid Mead.
0: His design for the turn A was so drastically different from any Gundam before mm-hmm. or since yeah. that people uh, were looking at it like, and saying, That isn't Gundam, or whatever. Yeah, what I remember you.
1: people... The fandom was very split on that. The robot if, if has a
0: mustache. Had,
1: yeah, the mustache. That The mustachio Gundam. I do actually like... What I've seen of Gundam Unicorn, I haven't seen all that's out yet. Oh, okay.
0: There's only so, three episodes out. What was the last I one know, you saw?
1: I think I saw two. Okay. Um
0: I like all of Gundam Unicorn a lot. That's like mm-hmm. one of the things, I think it's maybe like the only thing, it's like, I, I'm like, when's the next one coming out? Because now that Mazen Skull is all out, I don't need to think, when's the next one of that coming out?
1: Right. Yeah, well, I mean, we showed that at our meetings, and our meetings are not populated with Gundam aficionados, and they liked it as well. I mean, it's possibly one of the more accessible, like, Gundam series that I've seen.
0: I was so fascinated at the response online by the Gundam fan base, not just to Gundam Unicorn, but to the new Gundam projects that have been announced. There's one called Gundam Age, which is a very casual kid-friendly sort of series everyone was mm-hmm. very upset and then they announced that they were going to make an anime adaptation out of mobile suit Gundam the origin which was yes. Yoshikazu Yasuhiko's take on the entire first Gundam story since I know one of your recurring issues is that you know you feel that the Gundam movies are good because of Yoshikazu Yasuhiko and yeah. less Yoshiyuki Tomino and so he made a manga that was basically uh, his take on the first Gundam story, and now they're going to take that manga and make it into an anime. And so people between ages, like, you know, the Gundam fans are like, oh, this isn't Gundam, this is too, you know, Kitty, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then Gundam origin, it's like, oh, this is just the same old thing recycled over and over. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so, so it's, they want imp- th- it's literally impossible to satisfy the Gundam <laughs> fan base. There's nothing good enough.
1: Yeah. I-, I have long since, you know, stopped listening to them. They want something that is new and different but like what they've seen before.
0: Right, in a very it's, specifically narrow window. It's like they want yeah. something yes. they've never seen before that makes them feel a way that they've never felt before for anything before since, but it simultaneously must contain these elements that are familiar <laughs> to them. It's, and, it's and so a, you see a lot of people who are like, oh, Gundam Unicorn isn't that good because it gets tied down and whatever, whatever, and I think that's bullshit. I think like this just sort of defines like this dichotomy of impossible to meet expectations is kind of like the face of, Gundam fandom, at least English-speaking ones. Yeah, I would say uh, definitely, I liked Gundam Unicorn Episode 3 quite a bit. I'm looking forward to Episode 4, and I would just say, anyone who feels similar, avoid all Gundam discussion online, because <laughs> Gundam Unicorn is based on a series of books that have come out and concluded, yeah. and so uh, mm-hmm. everybody who's like the super hardcore, they all go out and they read the books, and they know exactly what's going to happen, and they'll talk Spoilers. about it freely. While I would call myself a Gundam fan, my level of Gundam fan involvement ends as far as I'm not going to read a book. I'm not going to read these weird manga like, you know, Crossbone and all that stuff. I'm not going to go and track down the really terrible novel that's been translated into questionable English.
1: How about the games, though? The 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 games? games, Some of of the games. You know what game is
0: good? Dynasty Warriors Gundam 3, which just came out. And it'll kill us all as far as taking up a billion hours of time. Yeah. But I mean. It's Dynasty Warriors. I mean, uh, I think Gundam suits Dynasty Warriors quite well. Part 3 thankfully restored the ability to have Japanese or English audio.
1: Yeah, I really like that in the first game and then they did they, they took it out. It out they something? took
0: it out for the second game. Yeah. And what the hell? People like at first I didn't want to play the second one at all, and then I started playing it and I was like, "You know what? This dub is so it's that level of like weirdly bad that it is strangely compelling."
1: And like that 360 game that we're playing um Twin Peaks. Oh, are deadly, you
0: premonition? About deadly Premonition. Deadly Premonition. <laughs> deadly Premonition. I'm gonna find another podcast and do an entire episode on Deadly Premonition. But yeah, that's like this weird, yeah. simultaneously exceptionally well done, while at the same time being incredibly bad.
1: Yes. It's, it's yeah. Clarissa and I are playing that. And on every it conceivable
0: metric, character animation, facial, you know, things. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, wow, it's really good. And other times it's like York, your face. But, I mean, yes. <laughs> It's. Uh, I, I'm still special. trying
2: to figure out if like it's intentional that everybody goes on and on about how Anna was so beautiful, but she has the and most she terrifying, looks incredibly face.
0: terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And, is that
2: like on and, purpose? I can't tell. And, and, there's, and there's
1: no those way to know. Five minute monologues about biscuits and such. <laughs> it's. Maybe we should start a new podcast. You know how many so people
0: I know that? who have gone and tracked down those movies that York has talked about in the car because it's,
1: I, I think Lady you watched Hawk Lady Hawk
0: because of, because of, of Yeah.
1: I watched Lady Hawk because he recommended it. I can't there. believe you
2: hadn't already <laughs> seen Lady Hawk.
1: I guess I just never saw it on TV or whatever, but I guess enough about weird Japanese video games.
0: Yeah, this is yeah. now uh, the Reno Williams podcast.
1: Let's see, we have another email here. Why not read two? Um, this is by Alexi. Alexi writes, Hi, AWO. I've been enjoying your podcast this summer, and though I'm sure you've already have a lot of titles to review, I have a title that I'd really like to see covered on your show. Many years back, Gerald reviewed two films by Yoshikazu Yasuhiko, Venus Wars and Crusher Joe, and mentioned that he would probably cover Arion as well. While I can see why the review never happened, the movie is bananas, I'd definitely love to see it covered on the show. As a classics student, Arion has a special place in my heart, seeing how it speaks to the themes of Greco-Roman literature. However, I'm really interested in learning more about Arion as an anime movie, like how and why it was made, its influence, impact, and things like that. It's such a little-known movie. I can find hardly anything about it, and if Gerald could do a review, I would be a happy listener. Or I suppose if anybody would like to do a review of Arion one day. I have seen Arion. Has anybody else seen it?
0: I've got a copy, yeah. And I saw it a while ago. Was, my reaction to Arion was roughly... Uh, and again, if I can't remember Ressantamon, I, I certainly can't remember Arion. But I, I yeah. recall my re- reaction to it being roughly equivalent to my reaction to Venus Wars. Which is like, okay, well, it's uh, got some good designs and it looks super cool, but it's kind of forgettable. I think I like Crusher Joe the most out of the three. I mean, I just don't remember anything about any of these things other than like vague emotional (laughs) responses
1: it's in the same realm with you that cyber city oedo is with me because i saw that and it had no impression on me and And then if you go back and
0: watch it again then then you you realize holy
1: crap this is awesome because arian is awesome that might be the case Mm. because
0: i remember that movie being Kind of strange. It but is
1: I- kind of strange. It's but it's it, strange in not a Japanese way. It's strange and kind of like a Greek way. It actually does try to you know incorporate some of the the yeah. myths into it appropriately. And then those those myths were really screwed up. Some of them. Well, that's weird though, because
0: so. I mean I've traditionally been a, a big fan of the Greek mythology, and I feel like if that was the case, I probably would have remembered it more, but I just have a bad memory for these. Yeah, it's, I it's can't actually
2: remember if I've seen it. Like it sounds familiar, and I wanna say that I have, but I'm not sure. Yeah, There, there was really one thing it. called it,
0: Arion, and then there's another thing called like Ariel or something like that. Ariel,
1: that is a girl in an armored suit show. I've actually got that. It was released by that
0: one had a commercial release. Yes. And Arion did not get Arion released did in not, America. and it was... And I may, in fact, be confusing Arion with Ariel.
1: Ariel is extremely forgettable. And Arion, if you'd seen it a long time ago, you probably did forget about it. But Arion never got a release, I think. There were some scenes in it that would have caused that. Like, there were some scenes in the very beginning where the main character is naked and a child. It's not displayed sexually. It's just kind of him running around. Maybe that was part of it. But I don't know. It, it seems it seems a little bit weird to me that it didn't get some sort of release, especially the, since Venus Wars got a release, and Venus Wars kind of blows. Mm. But yeah, I, I would like to do a review of that at some point, or if anybody else would like to do a review. That's definitely going to happen at some point. I know it, some good fans put together an actually pretty decent fan sub of it a little while ago. I think
0: I, that's, ago. that is the copy that I have, and that might have been when I saw it.
1: I've got a like third or fourth generation VHS copy of it and considering that movie looks pretty good it's probably worthwhile tracking down a better quality version of it that is it for listener email unless anyone else has anything to add now we got
0: about 30 minutes down we may as well get to the review
1: why not no, 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 no. Kelsey, Kelsey, I- As I mentioned before, I'm going to be reviewing the old-school series, The Dirty Pair TV series. Whenever a show like this is released, and it's, it's not terribly often, but when it does happen, there's always sort of this eternal question that comes up and kind of just bounces around the internet a lot. And that is, is the show actually good, or is it just nostalgia? Dirty Pair is one of those series that a lot of guys and ladies, roughly around, you know, over 35, maybe even up to 40 and older, talked about a whole lot. It never got a release here, the original TV series, even though David Williams is, like, one of the biggest Dirty Pair fans in America, and he was one of the, like, DVD producers over at ADV Films. There's always a big split when that happens, and it's usually the split is between... People who came into anime at a certain time, if they come into it after that certain time, they usually hate the show. And if they come into it before a certain time, they usually love the show.
0: And then within that time frame, there's a split between which iteration of this do they like. Yes. Mm. And there's about three, and I believe as of now, maybe four substantially different takes on the material. That's correct.
1: Yes, very much so. And... It even becomes more so if the material in question is something that is extremely indicative of the time period. They don't make a lot of sci-fi action anime today. Sci-fi action is kind of something that is very much more an 80s and maybe mid-90s sort of thing. I don't consider mecha anime sci-fi action. Mecha anime is kind of its own genre on its own. But sci-fi anime was almost like the like a very, very common anime. It's kind of what got anime in america really big and really going right i would argue that if they could do more sci-fi action stuff like say i don't know red line and such that that anime would then kind of get out of the rut of being like no longer cool or whatever
0: it's one of those things where you're absolutely correct as far as the international appeal that sci-fi action stuff does catch on i mean you got to think of when dirty pair originally came out in my mind it's like mid 80s and yes. like 1985 or so, that's right around the time in America when Robotech started to be its own thing, right around the time when conventions in America, which were still in the sci-fi con mold, were branching out, being populated by people who were fans of things like, uh, Star Blazers and Dirty Pear and Star Blazers are not very similar to each other in terms no. of, uh, mood or no. tone, <laughs> but, um, they're certainly both uh, you know but they, they spacefaring st- tales.
1: They would they yeah, and they could probably appeal to the same audience at different times of the day, perhaps. <laughs> certainly Dirty Pear is is more, you know, laid back. And it's also a series that was very, very popular in fan subs at the time. I still have VHS fan subs on my shelf. I don't know why I have them now. Of the Dirty Pear series. Because it was just a very fun and easy series to watch.
0: Yeah, that was another thing. Because it was very light and very heavy on, you know, action and set pieces and spectacle, it could be watched and more or less comprehended if you didn't have a subtitled copy.
1: I know you did this, Daryl, but I don't know how people watch, like... Legend of the Galactic Heroes Raw.
0: That was purely born out of necessity and only after I'd watched a substantial amount of it subtitled first.
1: Okay, because that's not something I think could ever be watched if you don't understand what's going on.
2: Right, well the other um, thing with Dirty Pair is that it's, it's episodic, so you don't have yes. to have every single episode. If you're missing yeah. a tape's worth of episodes, it's not like you're going to be totally lost and miss a really important part of the story.
1: And that's actually a really good point. Back then, you couldn't just easily start on like i don't know tape five or whatever of yamato if they were trading that back then you really needed it from the beginning dirty pair besides you know there's one or two points in the series that relate back to earlier episodes but other than that it's basically entirely independent of each other at all times i know i did talk about the dirty pair tv series in episode i mean the the,
0: talked about the movie the
1: movie project eden in episode 49 but i'll just give you know a really quick basis of what dirty pair is about Dirty Pair is a sci-fi action TV series set... doesn't really matter when it's set. It's set so far in the future that it doesn't even matter, like 2638 or whatever.
0: It is the year 2005.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, 2138 is actually when it's, when it's set. The series is about these two girls named K and Yuri. K is the redhead. She's a tomboy. She's, you know, angry and hot-blooded. Yuri is the uh, long, black-haired Japanese girl, a little bit more ladylike and such. And they work as trouble consultants for this giant, you can't even call it multinational, it's like intergalactic, yeah. multi-galactic, interplanetary corporation called the 3WA. And the 3WA is... They're kind of a governmental organization. It's sent for the World Welfare Works Association. Basically, they go around to locations where this corporation has received complaints from. This is usually like, oh, crap, you know, I'm trying to run my government, and this fringe group is trying to bring me down, or something like that. It's usually big deal sorts of things. They're known as the lovely angels in the series. That is their kind of their call sign. But they're called the Dirty Pair because pretty much wherever they go, there's enormous death and destruction.
2: Because they ruin everything for everyone else, basically.
1: (laughs) Yes, they do. And that's one of the hilarious things about the series. You probably don't think about it when you're young and watching the series, but there are several times during the series where an entire planet explodes. Because they like, visited it, and
2: yeah, thousands of people are dead. More like yes. millions. It's hilarious. They're,
0: they're very, very flippant <laughs> yes. and and casual about all the wanton destruction that they cause. Yeah, and they don't have. They're like the most sociopathic.
2: Yeah, they're, of they're total sociopathic mass murderers. They're just like all like, oh, oh, thirteen whoops. doesn't have
0: shit on Kay and Yuri. And <laughs> no,
1: like he'll take out one or two people at a time. Yeah, and Kay and Yuri, if stuff explodes, rarely less than a thousand people die. The series itself doesn't dwell on these matters. So, it's not meant to be more of right, a. D- nobody does the
2: there. logical thing and, like, fires them or anything. And,
1: uh, uh, but they get before, results. Like- the yeah. results
0: are <laughs> 2 billion people dead and 500 billion critically injured. But I yeah. get results. <laughs> <laughs> so they travel
1: around and they've got this enormous, like, cat bear called Moogie. And this uh, little robot called Nyamo, they've got a chief, they're kind of, he's kind of the most, stereoty- like, if he were in a, uh, their chief, whose name is uh, Chief Ghoulie. He's
2: the guy that's there to, were... like, yell at them and be like, you're a loose well, cannon!
1: I was gonna say, if he was in a 70s series, he would be black with a Afro smashing on a desk. So <laughs> 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 the entire Throwing time. Throw his
0: coffee mug.
1: Yes. Exactly but yeah, It's like very
0: that. like structure-wise it is very cop show in space. Yeah. Very very with much ladies. So.
1: Yes. The series came about from Haruka Takachio who is a um he's a writer and I believe he works with Gainax and such and is still working today and it was a series of light novels. Uh, we've talked about light novels before, but light novels are basically simple, easy-to-read books that is oftentimes where a lot of anime nowadays is coming from, like Bakano came from light novels, uh, Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya came from light novels. Yeah, so, so, basically
0: the really equivalent big, of young adult.
2: Yeah, and they're uh, a really yes. big source of anime adaptations lately. Yeah.
1: So. Very much so. So this has been going on for a very, very long time. To
0: be honest, a lot of times now when a new anime comes out and it's is based on the light novel, that's kind of like a warning flag in my mind, just because a lot of these light novels... Are not that good, but I've never read the original source material for this, and I think the anime came out pretty darn yeah. acceptable.
2: I mean, I think there's exceptions. Like, I think there's a little bit better track record with some of the shoujo light novels, like Mari or um, Saiyan Koku, but.
1: Is Mari Mite l- considered light novels?
2: Uh, I believe so.
1: Okay, I thought those were just considered, like, regular novels that have just been going on forever. Yeah, the Dirty Pair TV series, the novels have been released here. Actually, they've been released in America twice, not all of them. There's tons of Dirty Pair novels. They were actually first released in about the mid to late 80s. There was a translation, I believe, that was done by Frederick Schott. It was not done for the American audience. I believe it was done for the Japanese audience. And then more recently, there were the first two novels were released. The Great Adventures of the Dirty Pair, and I forgot the second one. It's sitting upstairs now. I have read those, so I'm coming at it from from that sort of perspective. Haruka Takachiho is kind of well known for really hating the TV series of this, like a lot. I believe he just officially kind of disowned the TV series entirely. There was a another series, an OAV series that came out in the mid '90s called Dirty Pair Flash that he had a lot more involvement in, which, which strangely enough, is.
2: Let's that as... the one that's terrible? Well, it's, it's a split. It's,
0: it's yes, another, it split. like, bubblegum crisis versus bubblegum crisis 2040 split in mm-hmm. fan base. But I think there's a third one, which is the, uh, the Adam Warren Dirty Pair comics. Yes. Which are also quite different visually. And I think a lot of the people who tend to like the Adam Warren comics tend to, to be more on the side of Dirty Pair Flash.
1: Yeah, I have not read the Adam Warren comics. I know that they start out a lot more like, the original Dirty Pair, and then as they go on, they get kind of more ridiculous and more violent. The Dirty Pair Flash series is absolutely awful for about six episodes and then becomes mediocre. That's about as good as I can say about it. The novel series does something that was extremely popular in mid-80s and 80s anime fandom in general, and that is that Kay and Yuri were originally psychics. They hmm. use a lot of their psychic powers to solve their problems and to, to figure things out.
0: And to make um, people explode after screaming no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> None of the anime does that, except there is a, some more hints of it in an OAV that was released after the TV series called Affair on Nolandia. That came out after the TV series. But Nolandia is probably my least favorite of the animated Dirty Pair besides Dirty Pair Flash. But it's also most like the novels. But uh, yeah, they completely got rid of all of the psychic elements of it and basically made it far, far more of an action show. And as far as I can tell, none of the TV series or the episodes of the TV series resemble anything that ever happened in any of the novels. Ever. Unless you're talking about maybe a very sort of basic, like, they came to a planet and there was an uprising, or something like that. Very, very basic structure. Beyond that, really no relation to the TV series, to the novels at all.
0: Was it Yoshikazu Yasuhiko who did illustrations for this? Or was I thinking he something did the, else?
1: Yes, he did. He did the illustrate. That's actually how he started, was as an illustrator for light novels. And one of the... Because I remember his like famous.
0: his original like K character design is very Amuro Rey in a leotard. <laughs> yes, it
1: is, isn't it? Yeah, he is... <laughs> He started as an illustrator for the novels, and if you watch the Crusher Joe movie, there is a scene in that where the characters go to a um, drive-in theater, and they are playing this non-existent Dirty Pair movie, and those designs that were never used ever again are the Yoshikazu Yasuhiko designs. They're much more like hot pants. Let's go clubbing, Sursa 1982. Yeah. Very, very much so. The Dirty Pair, the TV series, was not terribly popular in Japan at all. In fact, it got cancelled, didn't it? Yep, it got cancelled, exactly. Hmm. Much like the original Gundam series, it was originally planned for 24 episodes, I believe, and it got cut short.
0: And then I believe what happened was they had to release the final set to bump up the count to be 24 as OAVs, is that correct? Yes,
1: they released them as OAVs. Strangely enough, though, those last two episodes are awesome. The animation quality is incredible in them, the action is terrific. So, I don't know. I think know. Maybe there's a Koji
0: Morimoto involvement somewhere in there.
1: Very, very likely. There were scenes in that that looked kind of like he could have worked on them. And then I don't really know the details behind it, but then they found out that, you know, hey, these things are selling. Maybe we should do something else. So they released Affair in Nolandia, which I don't which really Somehow
0: care permitted them to keep making more, even though, like you said, it is pretty weak. And yeah, uh, I'm not so huge on Flight 005 conspiracy either.
1: I don't hate 005, but I know some people on the internet think it's, like, the worst thing ever made. I don't know where they get that from.
0: There are people who care more about video games than cartoons, so whatever.
1: Yeah, it's really not that bad. But right after Affair on Nolandia, Project Eden came out. And that's what I reviewed in episode 49. If you have never seen The Dirty Pair before... Project Eden is still the best place to start. It is the best
0: One shot, deal. you're done in like under an hour and a half. You'll know yeah. if you like this show I or mean, not. I the,
1: mean, the last two episodes of the TV series are awesome and incredible and amazing, but you can't buy them separately.
0: And the first few episodes of the TV series as well, they are TV quality animation from over 25 years ago. Yes. And it can take a while to catch on. I know a lot of people... When you said you brought up the topic, like, is this show actually good or is it just nostalgia? Mm -hmm. And they had no prior exposure to the Dirty Pair. And so they watched these first TV episodes and they're like, you know what? This show isn't that good at all. I don't know what you people are talking about.
1: Most of the show, I think, is actually very good and pretty slickly written at times.
0: I would also say it's got a production value that is a noticeable cut above a lot of animation in general, even TV. Stuff yeah, because... I mean they may maybe not as
1: high as like Zeta Gundam, but just a bit below that because Zeta Gundam is kind of like the pinnacle of TV animation at that time mm. period.
0: I think the observation that Mike Tool would always bring up is the thing that amazes me about the Dirty Pair TV, at least for the first three or four episodes, anyway. Simply just how much stuff is going on. Yes, Like how much movement there is, how much little background details that nowadays they wouldn't bother to put in.
1: Well, this is something that I don't know, I guess I should call myself an old schooler, but old schoolers like myself really love. Around this time, animators had a lot more freedom to kind of do what they wanted to.
2: Right. Well, I guess at this point also they hadn't all been burnt out into lifeless husks yet.
0: Yeah, between the work schedule and the industry, like, not really clamping down and having, like, extensive pre-production meetings on what has to be in the show.
2: Well,
1: it's, Pokemon is what killed it all. Pokemon and the scandal with the animation, you know, that episode. The, that the supposed
0: epilepsy that apparently was a hoax, but if it wasn't found out till years later by the time that damage was already done.
1: And all of the, all of the restrictions that happened in animation because of that Pokemon episode. And, you know, other things in the industry, but the Pokemon episode was, you know...
0: The Catalyst. The
1: Catalyst, yeah. Before then, animators kind of could do a lot of what they wanted. Like, some animator were said, you need to animate some characters in the background, just to have people doing stuff. They might have people from other shows just in the background, just doing whatever. Um, If you followed any of my tweets while I was watching the show, I would say, oh, hey, check it out. Nausicaa's in this episode, or whatever. And that happens quite a lot. Maybe it's intentional, maybe I'm seeing things or whatever but they did really put a lot of work into just creating movement and creating like dynamic dynamism is that a word
0: (laughs) dynamic dynamism it is now
1: yes it is (laughs) into some of the animation especially the mecha animation because this was kind of the golden age of animators who knew how to animate mechanical objects whenever there's a chase scene on there with you know some mechanics in it it always looks really really good I guess, as I was saying before, Project Eden has got the whole package. It's got excellent animation. It's long enough to have pretty awesome and somewhat, you know, sophisticated story for a sci-fi action movie. There are excellent stories in the TV series, but the animation doesn't look as good. So still, I would say if you've never watched any of it, stay with Project Eden or at least start there with Project Eden.
0: And again, that's coming out soon in a re-release. So don't bother tracking down any old editions of it because the better ones coming out.
1: Yeah, and that is, one is significant because it has it's remastered, and it's got both the Streamline dub and the far inferior uh, ADV dub. The Streamline dub is still, still one of my favorite dubs.
0: But as far as this TV series like specifically, obviously it's got a lot of standalone stuff and stories. Overall, which story stood out to you? How decent was it? I know, like for example, with Lupin III, which uh, is getting a <laughs> release here finally, that first season... A lot of people tend to like a lot of those individual stories a little more than, say, in the third season
1: yeah. of Lupin. There are some episodes that stand out to me, oftentimes the more ridiculous ones. There was an episode – Um, I wanted Clarissa to watch this episode because I think she'd like it a lot. But there was an episode with this guy. His name was Clicky Gold Jeff. <clears throat> and he's trying to marry this transsexual guy or girl. I don't know at what point. And the plot line is that he was arranged to be married to these eight women, and the ceremony is him being led by these eight women in handcuffs, while behind him are a whole bunch of bunny boys serving drinks. <laughs> this was just a really ridiculous episode, and it stands out to me for those reasons. But there were a lot of, like, just authentically good episodes. Um I was taking notes on them. There was one episode where <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had, like, it was episode 19 like the girls are trying to prove to each other that they are a better woman they had some argument with each other about you know oh i'm i'm more feminine than you are meanwhile neither of them are very feminine at all
0: they are typically like that is the dynamic of the dirty <laughs> pair is that they're always like trying to like undermine the other one
1: yeah and they are enormously horny as well not necessarily i, I guess like shows like panty and stocking have kind of set the bar so incredibly high that it almost doesn't even register.
0: I would say that Kay and Yuri, like, are sort of the, the prototypical Panny and Stocking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they, it's kind of like if Panny and Stocking started somewhere, they would have started with Kay and Yuri. Because they're always, like, trying to find some other guy. They're kind of, uh, you know, back and forth with each other is, is a lot of why I like the series, and a lot of why I think that a lot of other people like the series as well.
0: So you'd say the dynamic is actually what's more important than any one particular visual style as far as, like, yes, this is Dirty Pair. I think so. I think that's why so many people have been able to accept the Adam Warren comics, and even Dirty Pair Flash, and new manga, but I think that's why Dirty Pair has been allowed to continue for 30-some years now, it seems. Yeah. Is because it's not really that tied down to any one particular visual aesthetic, so they can keep updating it for the medium.
1: As long as, you know, Yuri is kind of feminine You know, underneath it is insane, and K is hot-blooded, kind of a maniac, but is ultimately less insane than Yuri is. It's kind of that's that's the dirty pair. The release of it was actually very good. I believe that this was a release that used the DVD remasters that uh, came out a couple of years ago in Japan. I I may or may not be correct on that. Unless unless they certainly
2: look
0: the part.
1: They look really good, especially for a series that is as old as this.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I haven't really sat down and watched it yet, but I saw some of the stuff that you were watching, and it definitely looks really nice.
1: Yeah, it's a sub-only release, just how this should be released. No, no need to waste the money on a dub. And the, it comes with a nice booklet that goes into kind of, you know, some of the details behind the show. But again, the question is, is someone who is not familiar with The Dirty Pair really going to get much out of this? And as I said before, start with Project Eden. Project Eden is kind of a tough one as well, because I think Project Eden is so good that even if you really like that, that's not necessarily a guarantee that you'd like the TV series, but it gives you a very, very much better batting average that you will.
2: Right. At least you kind of get an idea. Of, do you like the concept? You know, are yes. you interested in the characters?
0: Right. And if the thing you dislike about Project Eden is why is their music playing while nobody is saying anything, their lips are moving and nothing's happening, well, that's not really a recurring no. uh, visual <laughs> or, you know, flourish of uh, of any other dirty pair.
1: But if your argument is, what's going on? These women are ridiculous. They keep blowing shit up. Then you won't like the dirty pair. And you're a boring person. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, because they're the only recurring characters, really, other than you know Moogie and the the police chief or you know 3WA chief, we unfortunately never get to see uh, ever again any Space Butler or Professor Wattsman.
1: No, unfortunately, not some of the best villains or good guy bad guys ever put into anime, and that was just a one shot for them. So unfortunate too. Koichi Mashimo, absolutely the best thing he ever directed, and then never never could recreate that. I would in any say way.
0: Tyler might be his best. Mm,
1: yeah, I could I could see that definitely. It, they're they're about equal with me. Tyler is kind of a different thing. Like Project Eden is I think more entertaining than Tyler is, but Tyler is a better show. But anyway, that's that's not the argument we're having here. <laughs> I certainly liked the TV series quite a lot. It is very much a product of of its time. It is familiar with what was popular at the time, except for the psychics thing. It just kind of didn't bother anything with that. The animation, while very good, does not compare to even a low budget anime series today. But the design work is excellent. The music is a whole lot of fun. It's a series that is a breath of fresh air because you don't really see as many like fun, action y sort of series like this today.
0: How much do you know regarding um, why this series is called The Dirty Pair?
1: I know that it is based in part upon a, a wrestling duo.
2: Yeah, I was time. actually going to ask Daryl if you could talk about the wrestling connection. I
0: certainly can. I guess to put this in perspective, the first Dirty Pair novel came out in 1979, which was basically the end of an era in Japanese professional wrestling and the beginning of a new one. Women's professional wrestling in Japan was a huge thing for uh, a period of you know about 20 years maybe mm-hmm. 15 years what started it all what kind of brought that to the forefront in the 1970s was uh, a tag team duo known as the beauty pair and this was um jackie sato and maki ueda and one of them had you know the short hair and the other one had slightly uh, longer you know they aren't really identical to kane yuri because at the time you wouldn't have a, a female professional wrestler with the yuri level long hair but these uh, two were tremendously popular. They ended up branching out and not just getting fans of professional wrestling, but also a lot of teenage girls. They became uh, idol singers, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> anyway, the author of Dirty Pair, I can never pronounce his name, but you've said it a few times, uh, Haruka Takachiho.
1: Yeah, something yeah. like that.
0: He he was a big fan of wrestling. And so as the story goes, he um went with another author to an all Japan women's event, which was where the, the beauty pair uh, were wrestling. Um, and because these two guys are male nerds who are sci-fi authors, I think one of them said the two in the ring, they may be the beauty pair, but you two guys are the dirty pair. Cause you know, <laughs> those guys are sci-fi nerds that led to where the name the dirty pair came from as far as uh, why takachio came up with that name and um the first year when he released his first novel that was the year that the the beauty pair disbanded which sort of led to the another duo known as the crush gals becoming incredibly popular and bringing japanese female professional wrestling to like the height of the world as it were in terms of that, but that is basically the short version of where it comes from is yes, it's a duo of female professional wrestlers and, um, you know, sci-fi nerds look like otaku now as they did then. And so that is, that is the tale <laughs> as far as uh, how that came to be.
1: <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's pretty much the story that I've heard as well. Feminists should like it because it's all about women blowing shit up and being awesome.
2: Wait, but aren't they blowing <laughs> stuff up because they're bad at their job? <laughs>
1: Partially. Sometimes they get the aim right. Sometimes. There was an entire episode dedicated to how worthless men are who have hairy chests. They-
0: yeah, that was like the third episode. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was early on. They were like, I hate it's like men. they with were paired early-
0: up with like another detective. And it's like yes. the first question they have for him is not like, are you competent in your job? Do you have a lead on the criminals? It's like, do you have a hairy chest? Because there's nothing we hate more than men with hair on their chests.
1: Yeah, and...
0: And this guy's like a sixty-year-old man, you know, in his <laughs> yes. mid-fifties. He's like, "What?" You know, there's a punch, an ongoing punchline regarding <laughs> that for that episode.
1: I'll leave it, you know, as a surprise whether or not he does have hair on his chest or not.
0: <laughs> I guess. Do we have a spare copies of this to give away? Like, I don't know. We certainly we, do. We, we may indeed have a some sort of contest that we should implement as far as uh, getting these things out to people. And I think that the mechanics by which this contest needs to be held uh, should be something like this. I think for years now, we've been saying we need uh, reviews on iTunes for this show because that's how people are going to find the show. We've got a few. Some of you guys have left them, and we are thankful for that. So this is open to all you people out there who have been listening to this podcast that have not left us a review on iTunes. So we're going to leave this open for let's say a month after whatever the day that we release this thing is. Yeah. During that time, if you leave a review on iTunes for our show, you will be entered to win the dirty pair. TV series.
1: I have to put one limitation on this that we should have put on the last one. This kinda has to remain for people in, in the United, United States, States because, because international
0: shipping is very, very, very expensive for yes. us, which we found out the hard way. Yes, so because
1: it will cost us forty dollars or something to ship this a reasonable way to you if you live overseas, and we just right. can't afford that.
0: If you're in Europe so, or any of that stuff, you know, so we, it has we to apologize. be the United
1: States. I'm sorry, guys, and unless if you want to enter and you're outside of there, you have to expect to pay the shipping. But we're what about not Canada? Even- uh, let's keep it to the United States.
0: Okay, so if you leave a review, uh, you are entered to win. And then uh, what we'll do is we will take all the usernames, I guess, and randomly select one. That person will be the winner. We'll announce them on the show, and uh, it'll be up to you to contact us, mm-hmm. uh, because we're not sure how to get someone's uh, email or whatever based on an iTunes name. Now, how do we prove? How, how do, do we, we prove? prove that it's them? We'll figure something out. Maybe when you leave your review, you can take a screenshot of it and email us a picture of the review with your username next to it to say, yes, here's my review of it, and we can choose based on that.
1: And put Dirty Pair Contest into the subject line? That makes it easy?
0: We have to buy our positive press, is what we're doing, (laughs) effectively.
1: Is that, like, the most chilling contest ever? I don't know. That... That's okay. We need I'm we need sure some... The
0: Citizens United Supreme Court case will say this is free speech and we're not actually stealing votes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. So do that and you could win yourself a complete box set of the Dirty Bear TV series. <laughs> Of the Anime World Order podcast. Some of the homework, AnimeWorldOrder.com. Leave us some reviews. Preferably also leave us some on iTunes now if you want to be entered for that contest. Email us at AnimeWorldOrder at gmail.com. As a reminder, leave us a review on iTunes and email us with a screen cap of that review with Dirty Pair Contest in the subject line.
0: The new issue of Otaku USA is yes. out. It's got Blue Exorcist on the cover. I did a feature on Tiger and Bunny. And then on the website soon, you'll be seeing, uh, I'll be posting some, um, on com. That is, I've got some reviews coming up there as well to tie in to what I wrote in the magazine. Uh, in addition to Tiger and Bunny, I wrote a pretty stellar review of Lady Death, the motion picture, if oh I can say boy. so myself.
1: Hey, do we have it in enough with Patrick Macias to get him on the show again? I think. We yes, have... he wants
0: to, he wants to be on the show again. I uh, think as we need, fact. I think
1: we need to review, uh, to have a Rintaro show. A
0: Rintaro, a Harmageddon yes, retrospective. <laughs> he uh, he is ready. He uh, is good. ready I, I... and, and prepared for that.
1: Bug him. We want we want him on the show for that. Yeah. He, so. he'd
0: want to talk about, uh, Crunchyroll news as well. And speaking of that, I just posted another, confounding piece on Crunchyroll news that the Crunchyroll readership has no idea what to make of. It's an introduction to anime's craziest deaths. Um, I guess the editors of Crunchyroll decided to take my piece and rename it the top eight craziest deaths, which is the polar opposite of what an introduction yeah. uh, is. It's getting a lot of what I would expect type of comments if you call something the top eight, whatever. Whenever you
1: get the top stuff, you always get a lot of...
0: I I deliberately didn't name it that, but I understand why they renamed it that is because nerds won't read anything unless it's... uh, (laughs) told that it's it's a list it is not a list it is in fact just an idea of what my panels are going to be about take a look at that read it if you like what you see uh there's an oticon panel in store for you
1: uh we want to get this episode out and also we are going to be doing lots of panels at anime festival orlando if you are in the area
2: right and also soon i'll have a review on anime news network keep an eye out for that uh, on the supernatural anime
1: uh yes, and also happy birthday Clarissa.
2: Oh, thanks. We Yay. wanted to record on your actual birthday. Oh. You're now
1: at Dave Merrill level, right
2: Hooray, now. Hooray! So. I'm old.
0: One <laughs> step removed from Dave Merrill level. <laughs>